welcome to Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Corbett, your host, and none other than the fantastic Mr. Braden Noway is with us here today as our co-host. We're glad to have you here once again for another exciting week of what's happening in baseball, and it's amazing during this 60-game season. Uh, a lot of activity, a lot of players, a lot of injuries, unfortunately, and the game keeps changing. You know, some things that don't change and we have certain expectations about are things like the World Series. But on top of that, too, I always had kind of a, an interest in the All-Star game, you know, what's called the Midsummer Classic. Brandon, how you doing, man? I keep running off here. How you doing today, buddy? I was doing pretty good, and then you got out there throwing fantastic in my name in the same sentence. I'm doing pretty good now. All right. Well, <laughs> anybody wants to reach out to Brandon, he's available also on Twitter at the Sports Blitz One. And right, number one. All right, the number one. You got the Sports Blitz One, and myself is at the Baseball Biz. So we'd love to hear from you guys anytime. We're glad you're here this week because we do want to talk about the All-Star Game. That's something that we all get to enjoy, usually about mid-season, but not so much this year. It was interesting, you know, looking through some things, Brandon, about how all this came to be. You know, what really happened? When did baseball first start out with the All-Star Game? I was still surprised to find that the first All-Star Game actually happened in 1933, at the Chicago World's Fair. Times are tough. You figure we're in the, the middle of the Depression, and they need to come up with something exciting. And certainly baseball was one way for a lot of people to be able to step away from their daily worries and give them something new and fresh. So this was supposed to be basically a one-off. It wasn't something they were planning and said, we'll be doing this for decades and decades into the future. But it was, it was a great idea, and the World's Fair that year, some of the things they had going on, too, was some great food, like any uh, great fair. They had the donut. That's right, boys and girls. It was supposed to be a big, big deal. It was celebrated as the hit food of the century of progress. And it also was the first all-star game at Comiskey Park. We look for this every year, usually in July, Brandon, but because that's mid-year, usually for the season. Right now, we're right at 30 games if everybody's been playing all of their toward their 60 and haven't missed many. Give or take a few teams. Give or take a few games. Exactly. But So this would be mid-season. This would be the time for the All-Star break. And each year, when we have the All-Star game, it is that. There's an All-Star break. All teams basically get a week off. You know, and, and one nice thing about that is it gives players a chance to rest, uh, maybe stretch out a little bit, and probably have less injuries, you know, jumping through an entire season of 162 games. But when you have them as tight as we have in a very short period with, with 60 games, it still tears a little bit on the body. So I know that, that to be able to do the season that we have, you, you, wouldn't, you weren't going to be able to have a week in the middle of all this. No. It's actually continued on since 1933, except for 1945 and then this year. I'm so sad, man. I don't know about you, but I always enjoyed going ahead and picking my players for the All-Stars game each year. Yeah, I, I like the All-Star game. It's a nice, you know, a nice change of pace. You get to see all the stars on one field. I mean, the only thing I don't like about it is that it's in the middle of the summer when there's nothing going on. Then you get a week where 
there's nothing to talk about. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Yeah, it, it sits. That's right. Everything else sits dead. I hope I've DVR'd some things so I can watch it. Well, we won't have to worry about that part this year. It's always meant to me also like the selections. Each team is constantly soliciting their fans to pick someone from their team, and even the team sometimes select a person. You know, like is it Austin Meadows? Is it Brandon Lau? Is it you know Kevin Kiermaier? If you're here in the Tampa Bay area, that, those may be in some of the choices over the years. People got to remember the Fall Classic, like I said, is the World Series. It's kind of a pivotal part. We've got the the opening day. We've got the Midsummer Classic, which is the All Star Game, and then we have the World Series. The focus on that all-star game is on individual players. So you have two teams, one American League and one National League. And each team hopefully has the best of the best. Fans get to select part of it, but they don't get to select all of it. It's interesting. I didn't realize how many rules there were involved in actually the selection of the players. Yeah, you sent me all these rules. I thought it was, you know, like you have the fan vote and then the player vote. And then some replacements they throw in. But my goodness, it's, it's like a, a, a national election instead of the all-star vote. My goodness, all these rules. Basically, you have 32 roster spots for each team, one for the AL and one for the national. So one American League, one national league. And you and I, as fans of those 32 positions, we only get to choose eight players. So for a fan-selected all-star game, we only get a certain amount of effectiveness that we can do with that. And I thought, really, that's it? Yeah, we don't even get to talk about pitchers. I was surprised to find out if we weren't going to be pick, picking the pitchers. I figured, well, surely the coaches and the managers were. But in 2017, they kiboshed that and said, nope, nope, nope. Even the coaches don't get to pick that. So, so what is that? Okay, so... We get to select, as a, if you're a national leaguer and you're picking for your team, you get to select eight people. And if you're in the American League, you get to pick nine people. And what's that mean? Basically, you're, you're getting the eight other players besides the pitcher if you're in the National League. And then in the American League, you get everybody but the pitcher, but you get to also select the designated hitter. So if we did have an all-star game this year, I presume both would be getting nine players to select from. If we did have an all-star game this year, I believe each, um, each league would be able to select nine players since both have the designated hitter this year. So after, after we vote for, all the fans vote for their favorite players, then there's still 24 roster spots to fill up. How does that happen? The total of those 32 players MIB says, okay, 20 of them have to be position players. So you've got reserve people above and beyond the eight that the fans chose. And 12 of them have to be pitchers. So I was really surprised, like I said, to find out that the coaches and managers had absolutely no say in pitchers. If we didn't have, a, have anything to say about it, but they didn't either. There is other sources for the voting. And part of that is our teams. Each one of the 30 teams, you know, they're able to go, come in and make some decisions about who's going to be playing. Basically, what happens, the ballots are all gathered in all 30 clubhouses shortly before the roster. And then the players have 16 players to select in the Nationals and 17 in the American League. Again, this is what we're talking about as far as having a designated hitter. That many people are going to be able to be selected by the players. What do you think happens if duplication if we find out that, you know, your team 
both you team, your, you and I picked the same one as somebody else. The, the fans have already selected this team, and the players say, hey, we want that guy in too for that position. I don't know. I think it would be maybe like a statistical tiebreaker maybe. They look at average or like who's higher in each category maybe. Well, basically what they do is if they select the same person, it's next man up. So say, you know, we went ahead, both of us, and we selected, oh, uh, Juan Soto. But, and so did the teams. They said, well, we want Juan Soto also. Well, yeah, but the fans already got it. Okay, well then, who is their second choice? So the players get the second choice. So there's not a duplication. That makes more sense. Yeah, I'm glad they get us saying it too because they live and breathe around all these players. Even though we follow the news, we don't necessarily see every team. We can look at the stats in the paper online. But what we're not going to see is every game. And they see so many players. They know personalities and such, things that we'll never see. And those, I think, are, should make a big part of what's, what that game's about, too. So, okay, they get, they get to pick their 16 or 17 players. Now we're up to what, 24? Something yes. like that. Said it? Okay, there we go. So we still need eight more players, right? And who's going to select that? That's going to be the commissioner's office. The commissioner's office, they choose eight National League players, four pitchers and four position players. They also select six American League pitchers, four pitchers and two position players. And because there's reserve, I guess you got two designated hitters. So anyway, they come in and they make that pick. So the four pitchers, four for each league, are selected by the commissioners, which I think is you know kind of ridiculous to me. I think the fans should have an input on that. I think that they should be saying, we should be able to say, hey, hey, great, we're, we're glad you gave us the eight players out there. You gave us the catcher. You gave us the shortstop, all the fielders, all the basemen, but you don't let me get to say who pitches the game? Come on. Oh, that's like something where it should be, you know, with the fans. I understand them, you know, making sure that everything is balanced, everything, but honestly, how much baseball has a commissioner watched or his office watched? And, you know, I think it's just something that, you know, the fans should be a little bit more in control of because especially nowadays, it's more fun. There's no home field advantage tied in with it. I think it should be centered more around the players and the fans. Because let's face it, there's usually no love lost between fans and commissioner's office anyway so if there's ever going to be any uh, indiscretion or any question about the commissioner's choices it'll be you know that's that's to me it's just an interruption as far as i'm concerned the fan ex- it's interruption with the fan experience yeah now here's a, another thing too if a player is selected to the roster and can't participate he does not necessarily here he does not necessarily have to be replaced by a teammate because one of the things, the reason why the commissioner's choice is there is they say they must ensure that every club is represented by at least one all-star selection. So that, I, I get that to some degree, why they have the commissioners give that choice. But what they're, what also what they're saying, though, is if somebody can't make it from, you know, a DL, IL, whatever, then they don't have to replace somebody with the same teammate. But well, that was the last year we saw Lau, Brandon Lau, he got injured. God forbid it happened, but they uh, brought Austin Meadows in. So they actually did allow somebody from the same team to come play in the All-Star game. 
nice and convenient. Yeah, n- nice and inconvenient, nice and convenient as well. And Ray's actually had three folks there. They had Morton, Charlie Morton there as well. It's interesting. So I went ahead and pulled some information and had some rough ideas about if we we're going to have a 2020 league, you know, what, what should that look like? I sent you some of my uh, selections and I'm sure you have your thoughts on it too. Let's take a look at some of these. Eh, what the heck? Let's start with the, with the catcher. Who'd you have for your selection? Anybody in particular you like? For catcher? I don't really have a problem with the catchers on the AL side. I don't think I would have put Zanino in there. I was thinking maybe Severino with the Orioles. I mean, he has 20 RBIs and his average is up to um, around 333. So I think that would be a good one to switch out. And on the NL side, I was thinking maybe put in JT Real Muto. He's hitting 294. And he also leads the league in RBIs for catchers with 22. And that's who I think would be catcher. But I don't really I think, have a problem with either one. Yeah, I think with JT, you're right, too. I mean, the man's out, outstanding. He's also what? He's been the Golden Glove Award once and two times a Silver Slugger. So the man does a lot more than just being doing great behind the plate. So I think he's going to be a free agent next year, too. So I'm not sure if the Phillies are going to be able to keep him or not because he's, he's doing pretty dang on good. I wrote down Wilson Ramos. Let's face it, some of these of me are, are just because I like these guys. Okay, we know that. <laughs> and, I mean, Wilson, Wilson's actually hitting around the 337 this year. What? No, 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 no. That was 2018. That was <laughs> – yeah, he's hitting only 211 this year. And Zanino, Zanino, I, I just – he has really not been that fantastic this year. Watching him the other night, he had a catcher interference issue – but he also brought in – he had two doubles. The team didn't do anything about his two doubles. No. But <laughs> Zanino has really been like hit or miss this year. It's like, my God, what are you swinging at? But yeah. it seemed like the last few days, or actually maybe closer to a week now, it seemed like he's starting to get it together a little bit. He's finally gotten to 136. He was under 100 for a while, but starting to get up a little bit. Gary Sanchez popped him to mind, but the truth is Gary Sanchez for the catcher for the AL, he's, he's not going to be able there to do it either. He's, I think he's only hitting like 132 this year. He's just, I don't know what's wrong with him, but he seems to be suffering. You know, the, the Yankees seem to be suffering overall. It could just be a, an emotional thing. <laughs> I think with everything else going on, it's, it's kind of hard to be a Yankee right now. Yeah, all those injuries, maybe they're like shouldering a lot of the responsibility on themselves, possibly. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot going on. And looking here, let's see, jumped to first baseman. I was looking at Jose Abreu. Man, he's killing it. You know, what's he got like a 322? And he's really killing it with the RBIs as well, I believe. He's he's really punching it there. Yeah, Abreu, I, I honestly, that's that's my first baseman for the AL. I mean, 28 RBIs hitting over 300. Maybe Luke Voigt as a second option, possibly. Ooh, yeah, absolutely. I like Luke. He has 20 RBIs, and he's hitting 311, so not a bad option for a second-place option. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, Luke Voigt would definitely be you know right there. At, let's see. For National League, I said Freddie Freeman. And, you know, he's, he's doing well. He's got 302 average, but he's fun to watch, too. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that one either. I was thinking – as a replacement, maybe Jesus Aguilar with the Marlins. Everything oh, yeah. that they 
gone through. He's hitting 291 at around 20 RBIs, I believe. 19, excuse me. That would be a good second option as well. But Freddie Freeman, I don't, I don't really have a problem with that one. You know, Mr. Aguilar, he's been he's been on the newsreel too. You know, he's people are he's picking up. Uh, I love watching him. I was really sad when I he and Garcia left the the Rays last year. I really wanted to see both of them back. I'm glad he's doing so well in Miami. Yeah, that, that's good to see. Okay, this is a no brainer for me. Uh, emotional as well as this guy's killing it. Second baseman in the American League, Brandon Lau. Yeah, I'm, I have no problem with that either. Maybe a little bit of a homer in me. I don't have a problem with that at all. Yeah, and you said homer. He man's hit nine home runs thus far this year too. Uh, he, to me, he's been the MVP of the Rays this season. I think he's been AL Player of the Week. He's just fantastic overall. He's had a consistency, and like I said, he's got an average there about three hundred four, and he's hitting it out. He keeps an excitement in the game. It's fun to watch him at bat too. It, he has a tenacity. He has a, a a path. He's looking at that ball, and his eye stays on until after, even after it cracks the bat, it seems to be. So he's he's very sharp, sharp on that. For a backup to him, the guy who would probably be there with Brandon, and that would have been DJ LeMahieu, but that poor gentleman's still suffering. He's out for yeah. probably a couple more weeks, I believe. Yeah, he's he's someone I think would have been there as well. He might have even possibly been ahead of Lau because, you know, the Yankees are bigger than the Rays. <laughs> he, I honestly think he easily would have been in the All-Star game on the pace that he was in. Maybe even Kevin Biggio. You know, Biggio well. is amazing. Yeah, he's, he's been amazing to watch, too. And, and LeMayu, LeMayu is above 400 with what he's done thus far this year before he got injured. So, But, yeah, Biggio, it's, uh, it was really great to, to see him play as well. He certainly gave the Rays a little bit of punishment the last couple of days while they've been here in Tampa. Yeah, it seems to always be him. <laughs> or at least one of the young guys. For second baseman in the National League, is looking at a gentleman from the Reds, none other than Mr. Mike Musaskas. All right, moving forward to shortstop, we have none other than Mr. Francisco Lindor from the Cleveland Indians, and that's uh, kind of He's kind of my number one pick. I like watching him, man. You know, I almost look at him like when I would some really fantastic outfielder because he seems to be making these plays and jumping and you know, leaping like nobody's business. He, he's the one I kind of like for that. He's his batting average is not that fantastic. He's only hitting two fifty four. I had Willie Domas in there again. Sorry, hometown boy. Going to bring <laughs> him in. Part of the reason Willie just brings a spirit and energy to the entire team. He's out there, and he's got the. When you see him playing, when you see him there in the dugout or out there on the field, he seems to spread an energy across with everybody. Yeah, he does. He seems like he's just out there and having fun, like you're supposed to when you're playing baseball. Exactly. Do you have any ideas in the National League for shortstop? National League, I was thinking maybe Dansby Swanson. You hit in 319. Maybe Trey Turner put in there as well, but. Look at Arenado and Justin Turner with Dodgers. I mean, I really have no issue with, or excuse me, not, I'm looking at the wrong position. I'm going to say that they, they change spots. Okay. <laughs> Look at a national or a shortstop. I really have no problem. You have Seager, Tatis. I think he should be a, he should be number one, in my opinion, by far. And Trey Turner. I'm, I think your shortstop for the NL is spot on. 
Yeah, I think Tatis as well. I mean, I looked at it. He definitely has a better average. But above and beyond that, he's exciting, man. He's exciting to watch. You know, he's in the news right now for some some silly things, <laughs> unwritten rules, which we covered last week. But he's also, you know, he's done overall just fantastic. And watching the man, I mean, he's talking about being on the newsreels. Watching him leap into the air to catch some of those balls has just been amazing. So I was really excited about that. But since you were starting on with third baseman, go ahead with that in the National League. What do you what do you say with that? Nationally, looking at it, I really don't have a problem with that one either. Could possibly put in Machado, maybe. But looking at Turner and Arenado, like I said last time with the shortstops, I really see no issue with it, and I think that one's good too. Yeah, I had Machado, but uh, I've actually put him on the not eligible list simply because I don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> You're the new commissioner. Uh, yeah, ever since he took that walk down to first base, I mean, not a walk, he walked to first base. I was like, and didn't seem to have a spirit into it. So, But, yes, I would have to say him as well, even though I had Arnado down here. Machado really is, I think, the key for that. He's been doing fantastic. And then for uh, third baseman with the American League, I love Anthony Rendon, man. He's just amazing yeah. to watch. Yeah, he feels like he was very underrated for all that he's done. It seems like he doesn't get the credit that he deserves. I believe that's true. I had a couple other reserves. I had Matt Chapman with the A's. And once again, a local favorite, Joey Wendell. But Joey Wendell's one of those people they don't think about, you know. And I don't know if you saw, like, the most recent newsreel where they show him catching the ball, spinning on his knee, throwing it to first, and getting somebody out. It's just he is tenacious as well. That, that man, he can do anything. You know, you can put him, I think, in any position out there. He'll make it happen, and his commitment to it is huge. And maybe if you want to switch like Wendell out, possibly Yandy Diaz, who's been very consistent. He's hitting well over 300. Doesn't have the big RBI numbers, but he's been very consistent and you know, maybe just a possible throw a wrench in there and debating yeah. point. No, that, that's, that's good. I mean, Yandy has been consistent. He's been good. He was a little, I think, not as effective in the first part of the season, but I think in the last 10 games or so he's – He's really come on strong. He's. I was reading somebody saying that they thought maybe Yandi was, he was really feeling it about the COVID thing. He was really concerned about it. But whatever apprehensions he may have had, they've seemed to fall into the wayside, and he's doing you know bang-up job. Yeah, and Wendell seems like he's been more consistent in the field, whereas Yandi's been more consistent at the plate. So it's kind of like they counter counterbalance each other out. True. Well, talking about field, let's go to the outfield. And bumpity bump bum. Okay, and now we're going to the outfield in the American League, and none other than Mr. Mike Trout. He is Mr. Baseball. I'm wondering if one day that uh, title may be taken by Mr. Mookie Betts. But for right now, he's making all the difference in the world. He's up to his, you know, his average in what you'd expect. is only about 262. It was like 291 last year. But he is the epitome of what people expect in an overall great player. Like we've, we've talked about before, he's like the ultimate professional. He keeps his head down. He doesn't really bring any drama, if any. He's A lot of people think he's going to be the greatest player to ever play the game. I think he's one of those, one of those people who will be around for a long time. And also American League, Aaron Judge, he may be coming back to play tonight. Might be his first night back. So if Aaron Judge is up, I'd like to probably see him there in the outfield as well. Yeah, because 
see him coming coming in. He doesn't miss a lot of time, so he may get the fan vote because you know big fan base. But honestly, I wouldn't have a problem with him necessarily being in. But as far as pure effectiveness at the plate, I think that goes to Charlie Blackman. He's just been amazing to watch too. Charlie is nasty, as they call him, nasty, nasty. He kind of looks that way with that big scraggly beard, but he's hitting 405 this year. He was hitting over 500 at one point, and I believe he's, he still has more hits than the entire Cardinals do. If not, he just passed it a few days ago, but he's been pretty dominant. We're not going to the depth of these. We're not talking about the RBIs. We're not talking about you know how they're hitting, the strength and all that. We're pretty much going with the most basic measurement there is on a lot of these, but a lot of it is the entertainment value, too, and to me, that's where you get people like Kevin Kiermaier involved because Kevin, talking about newsreels, they were showing where he had to go like about 80 feet from where he was standing to catch a ball last night and then slides across the grass, grabs that ball, and bam, you know, great, great, great just to watch the man play. Yeah, if, if we're doing it pretty entertainment, you got to put Kiermaier out there. I mean, even a simple routine fly ball, he'll find a way to make it entertaining. He'll jump <laughs> even if he doesn't have to or die if he doesn't have to. Maybe get himself hurt doing it, but he'll, there's no such thing as a boring pop-up with him. That's, that's, that's way too true. I love it. I love watching a guy. I love his commitment to it. I love the energy he brings to it. You know, it was interesting, too, the other night when 10th inning of the game against Toronto, and who does Cash bring in? Guy hadn't been playing the whole game. He brings in Kiermaier. Kiermaier hits that, has the walk-off on the 10th, and bam. You know, of course, Adamas is there pouring small uh, things of Gatorade over his head <laughs> since they don't have one large shared tub, I guess, anymore of Gatorade. And he's exciting. I love to see him there. And then we move over to the National League in the outfield. We talked about Mike Trout, and I think maybe Juan Soto might be the next Mike Trout, too. You know, he's, he's looking pretty good. Yeah, Juan Soto, he's one of the better outfielders in baseball. And, of course, you got to put Mookie Betts in there, honestly. He's probably the second-best player in all of baseball behind Trout, arguably the best, True. you ask. Yeah, like I said, i got Juan Soto on, but I, Mookie is the one I've been moved to the top as well. He's he's just phenomenal to watch, and I don't think I'll ever forget being at that Rays game and watching Mookie Garcia you know, had hit the ball for the Rays, and he hit it all the way over in the corner right field corner, and Mookie had to go all the way over, scamper, get it, pick it up. Garcia was felt really good about himself. <clears throat> Pardon me. Felt really good about the play, and he ran all the way to third. I thought, yeah, you got it. And then to see Mookie's arm all the way from back from that corner, you know, he didn't advance anywhere. He threw from there and got it all the way to the third baseman and got Garcia out. That was just amazing to me. I remember watching that on TV. I was like, okay, we're going to have Garcia at third. And then it was like, oh, well, never mind. Maybe he won't be at third then. It was, <laughs> I mean, there's nothing Garcia could have done. It was just a perfect play. Yeah, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. So, but those sort of things, I mean, to me, made him big. And then also I was looking in the outfield just because he's Bryce Harper, put Bryce Harper out there and uh, Mike Yastrzemski. I was thinking maybe Nick Castellanos of the Reds. His first year with them, he has the 20 RBIs. You know, I think that'd be a nice name to put in there because, I mean, he wasn't very – people weren't very fond of him up in Detroit. He kind of lined his way out of there. The organization didn't help him at all. They sent him to the Cubs, and now he signs this big deal in Cincinnati. He's bouncing back and proving he's actually a pretty decent player. So 
think that would be like a, a nice reward for him to have. Yeah, I agree. That makes sense. I like to see some early recognition for players like that too. It's it's good to make sure that people know that. It, I'd be curious to see in a year what we're saying about Casey Mize and uh, his pitchers. But anyway, I'm going to skip over designated hitter. But let's let's go ahead and get to to pitchers. Who do you like in the National League? National League, I was thinking maybe Max Fried, or or yeah, maybe Max Fried. He has a really high ER, or lower ERA at one thirty two. Maybe even a Trevor Bauer or you Darvish. And I mean, Bauer's been just dominating people. Yeah, I'd like to see Trevor anyway. You're talking about personalities out there, nothing else, and see what kind of shoes <laughs> he wear. But uh, Jacob yeah. Degrom, I think Jacob Degrom would be a good one too. Let's see, we got here as well. How about Joe Kelly? Ooh. <laughs> he could be the uh, commissioner's choice. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're good with it. Yeah, that would have been funny. Joe Kelly making his nice <laughs> little facial uh, faces to the dugout and that sort of thing. My gosh. Free Bauer can wear his free Joe Kelly cleats. <laughs> oh, you've got it. You've got it there. For the American League, I had to pick Garrett Cole. He is just stunning to watch. The man's amazing. He's got, what, 20 wins now without an interruption? And yeah, it's like 20, 20 without a loss. 20 it's without something. a loss is right. Something ridiculous. Because what he had, he had a, a no, no decision. He walked away in a game with the Rays. I think it was 2-2 two and two when he left the game. So it was no decision. The Yankees actually lost the game. But uh, Shane Bieber, man, now he's doing kick-ass with the ERA, too. He's down to, what, 111. Yeah, he's he's been really good. If they weren't stupid, I was thinking maybe Clevenger, he could have been in there as well because his ERA was down there as well. But, you know, we can't really do that. No, no. Some of these guys have crossed over, I think, from one league to the other. But and I also had my not eligible this year. I had Machado on there. I told you about that. He was ineligible because I just don't, you know, I'm in the commissioner. I don't like him, so I'm scratching him off. Okay. And the other guys, well, DJ LeMay, who I'd like to see there. Labor, Labor Tories, I think he may, have, would have, he may have been there. And then my other two that probably would have been there, maybe, Lisa's Reserve or Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman. So they got caboshed as well. <laughs> yeah, the Houston rule says, I'm sorry. Too bad. <laughs> the Houston rule. I mean, Bregman could have made it in possibly, but Altuve, I'm not really sure. I mean, he hasn't had a really great year. Unless, you know, Houston fans rose up and just fanboyed them in, which they honestly could do. Yeah, he set a record a few years ago for most votes. He did, and that was amazing to me. You know, but the thing I like about the I'm banning him simply because he's he's a part of the Houston team, whether he's qualified or not for the All-Stars. <laughs> I'm sorry you're banned. Were, and you're Waterboy, they too. They were anything but uh, biased on this show. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, wow. Well. Anyway, so thank you all for – Staying with us through all of our picks. Hope you all had uh, some fun with that. And if you want to leave Brandon and I any of your notes, you can certainly do that on Twitter about who you would like to have seen. But I'm going to kind of wrap that part up. And Brandon, you uh, you ready for your weekly roundup on the standings? I believe so. And if you have anything mean to say about our rankings or all-star vote, Send the mean stuff to baseball biz and all the nice stuff the sports puts one. Have you appreciated? <laughs> That's right. At the baseball biz and at the sports blitz one. So. <laughs>
All right. Well, we'll start back in last week. A lot of sweeps we saw last week as well. We'll start up in the Big Apple with the Rays taking on the Yankees. The Rays took all three of those games up there to move into first place in the AL East. Heading down to Baltimore, we have the Blue Jays taking on the Orioles. The Blue Jays swept that one in three games. Then we had a two-game series between the Phillies and the Red Sox. They split that game, split the series one apiece. Then something you haven't really seen before, a five-game series between the Cardinals and the Cubs. That was, of course, being made up because of the Corona postponed games. St. Louis took two games, and the Cubs took three to take the series. Staying in the Midwest, we had the Reds taking on the Royals. They were only able to play two games with both teams splitting it, and one was postponed, and I haven't seen a make update yet. Heading over to Pittsburgh, we had the Indians taking on the Pirates, with the Indians taking all three of those games for a sweep. Then heading down to the Sunshine State, you had the Mets taking on the Marlins, with the Mets taking the first three games, but the fourth one was postponed due to the Mets' coronavirus outbreak, and a date for that to be made up has yet to be determined. Heading back up to the Windy City, you had the Motor City Kitties taking on the Chicago White Sox, with the White Sox taking that series four games to none. Then heading back up the interstate to, Mil to Minnesota, you had the Brewers taking on the Twins, with the Twins taking two out of three. Heading out west to the Rocky Mountains, you had the Astros taking on the Rockies in Denver, with the Astros taking all four of those. And staying west, heading to San Diego, you had the Rangers taking on the Padres, with the Padres taking four out of four, all four of those games, where they were actually became known as the Slam Diego Padres. Staying in California, you had the Diamondbacks taking on the A's up in the Bay Area with them splitting that series two games apiece. Then heading up north to Seattle, you had the Dodgers taking on the Mariners with the Dodgers taking three or four. Then heading back to California, closing out in the Bay Area, yet again, we had the Angels taking on the, the Giants with the Giants taking three out of four. And then we had one series postponed, Washington-Atlanta. Excuse me, the series wasn't postponed. We had a game postponed with Washington-Atlanta. And that will be made up September 4th. Now heading to the weekend series, we have the Marlins taking on the Nationals up in D.C. with the Nationals taking three out of the four. Staying in the metro area, you had the Red Sox taking on the Orioles with the Orioles taking two out of three. Then heading over to Ohio, we have the Tigers taking on the Indians and the Tigers finally beat the Indians after about 20 games and they take that series two games to one. Then head down to the Trop, you have a four-game series between the Blue Jays and the Rays, with both teams splitting that series two games apiece. Up in Pittsburgh, you had the Brewers taking on the Pirates up at PNC Park, with the Pirates taking two out of three. Heading to the Midwest with the Twins and the Royals, you had the Twins taking two out of three against them. In the state of Missouri, we had the Reds taking on the Cardinals, with the Cardinals taking three out of four in that series. Then a Windy City rivalry between the White Sox and the Cubs, with the White Sox taking two out of three from the Cubbies. We'll head back to San Diego with the Astros taking on the Padres, with the Padres sweeping out Houston again, or sweeping Houston as well, three games to none. Heading up the interstate to, to L.A., we had the Rockies taking on the Dodgers, with the Dodgers sweeping that series three games to none. Keep on heading north up, up the California Highway. We had the Angels taking on the A's up in the wind, up in the Bay Area, with the A's taking two out of three. Staying in the Bay Area, we have the the Diamondbacks taking on the Giants, with the Di or the Giants sweeping that series three games to none. 
going to keep on going north again as we had the Rangers taking on the Mariners with the Mariners taking the three games in that series as well. Then we'll close out east with a big series between the Phillies and the Braves with the Braves taking two out of three. And of course, the Subway Series, Yankees and Mets was postponed and a day has yet to be determined for a makeup of that series. All right, we'll look at the standings and I'll start in the AL this time. I tried to switch it up last week and I almost got struck by lightning. So we'll start in the AL, but we'll start out west this time. We have the Oakland A's leading that, leading the Western Division at a 20 and 10 record with the Astros at 16 and 13, three and a half games back. In the Central, you have Twins leading that division 20 and 10 with the Indians and White Sox both at 17 and 12, two and a half games back. And in the East, you had the Rays leading that division at 19 and 11, with the Yankees a half game back at 16 and 9. And heading over to the NL, we have the West with the Dodgers starting to pull away a little bit at that one, 22 and 8, with the Padres four games behind at 18 and 12. In the Central, you have the Cubs leading that division 18 and 10, with the Cardinals three games back at 10 and 8. And to close out in the East, you had the Braves leading that division at 16 and 12 with the Marlins behind them at 12 and 11. Wow, no lightning strike this week, man. That's cool. I know. Maybe, maybe it's going to start with the AL. Maybe that, <laughs> that's the key. Well, you had you saved the Dodgers at the end. That's when you, you, you were speaking or getting ready to talk about the Dodgers last week and went bam. And boom, boom, whatever at that point. It was amazing. But I'm, so uh, I'm glad you're safe. Glad we got through that. But, you know, you're talking about the Dodgers pulling away. Man, they're pulling away from everybody, aren't they? I mean, what what are they doing right now as far as uh, their average? It's it's huge. I, I don't have the number in front of me, but I know it was huge. Uh, 73.3, according to my calculations. Oh, my gosh, man. That's – jeez, crackers. <laughs> I don't know if there's anybody else out there with that kind of winning percentage. And the Dodgers are just an amazing team to watch right now. I mean, when we were talking about the players that they have and uh, Mookie Betts, I'm sure anybody who has – Season passes or season season tickets <laughs> for the Dodgers will keep them in their family for years to come. It'd be a heck of a time to not have season tickets, but yeah, even if you but, do have it, it's not like you can go watch it. But at least you watch it on TV <laughs> and get your little placard, your little cutout person sitting in the seat out there this year. But hopefully, for not the same amount. It, oh. It's been a lot of fun though going over this All Star roster with you this this week, man. It's getting some feedback. Yeah, some of these, like I said, I know I was picking because I like that particular player and maybe not because they're so playing so well. But you, you try to set me straight on this. So thank you for that. Hey, I do my best. And it, it's weird. I don't, we don't really have like a, it doesn't feel like I have a big enough sample size to come up with the All Stars. So people could have laughed at us for all we know. Like, it's, who are these idiots? Yeah, well, that may be true. <laughs> we won't spend any more time on that topic. Well, Brandon, I want to thank you again, buddy. It's uh, been yet another fun time here with us on Baseball Biz this week. And reminding everybody, I'm Mark Carbett, and you can reach me at the Baseball Biz on Twitter, and you can reach Brandon at the Sports Blitz one on Twitter as well. So anyway, hope you're all doing well. Any, any parting words, Brandon? Uh, not, not the moment. Not the moment. Okay, those are good ones. <laughs> I'll stick with that. I don't have much either. But anyway, thank you all very much. Thank you all for joining us, and looking forward to it. Seeing you guys real soon. Also, we want to thank X-Take RUX for providing us this great music rocking forward. 